The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Good morning, Overland Park Community Church. Uh, It's great to see all of you. Uh, I'm Shay Haddock. For those of you that don't know me, I am the Connections Pastor here on staff and happy to be so. Um, Our uh, beloved pastor, Jimmy Holbrook, I hope is somewhere in a tree right now uh, in Kansas, enjoying himself. Uh, The famed whitetail rut is upon us, and uh, I sure hope Jimmy is enjoying himself and and celebrating a bit of a Sabbath. Um, I thought I would start by sharing a little story in the spirit of deer hunting, uh, this really has nothing to do with my message, I don't think. Um, maybe the Lord has a way of connecting, <clears throat> like he always does, but I was, um, I was, this was a few weeks ago, and I was out, <laughs> I had this spot, man, this is the perfect spot, and uh, didn't, I hadn't hunted it, uh, trying to leave it open, you know, uh, let, let, the, let them feel nice and comfortable in there. And then I had a plan in my head, right? I was going to go in like early November, like November 1st, and I was going to get the big buck I really wanted, you know? And so uh, as luck would have it, I go in there and uh, perfect weather. I had a north wind. Oh man, it was all lining up for me. And um, I get in the stand and I sit, and then I'm like, got my camera, you know, and I'm like, hey, guys, it's November 1st. It's big bucks out here. I'm in the sweet spot. You know, stay tuned. We're gonna, it's going to be a good hunt. Didn't see a deer that whole night. <clears throat> and so I'm like, okay, that, you know, that's fine. That, that's all right. That's hunting. It's fine. So, and I, I was like, but I still want that to, I still have faith in this spot, man. I still believed in it. And so I'm like, I'm going to pack up my stuff, you know, and I'm going to get out of here, and I'm not even going to turn my light on because I don't want the deer to know I'm in here, you know. I'm going to slide on out real sneaky, you know. So I'm like, I get out, and I cross the creek real quiet, and I'm coming through this grass. Like, there's a pasture. It's like a cow pasture, but it's really thick, like incredibly thick grass. And, um, and I know the deer like to sleep in there. And so I'm like, you know, I'm walking the edge, and I'm walking on this fence, and so I'm, and, and it's dark, it's very dark, not a full moon or anything, and I don't have my headlamp on, even though it's on my head, and, uh, and so I'm walking in the grass, and all of a sudden I hear the grass move, like, you know, like a flush of, a flush of grass, and I was like, oh man, I bumped a deer, you know, I'm standing there, I'm like, dang it, and so I'm standing there, and all of a sudden I'm like, man, that doesn't sound like a deer, and it was, it, the grass was moving, and it started sounding like it was closer to me, and it started getting heavier, and I was like, I was like, oh, man, and I had my bow in my hand, and I had my pack full of stuff on, and I just got my light clicked on, and I look over, and there is a 1,200-pound cow at full speed coming at me, and I'm like, Oh my, and I turn like this and I start to try to jump over the fence, the barbed wire fence. Mind you, I have a brand new hunting jacket that my wife, I begged my wife to let me buy. And I got this jacket on, man, and I jump, I like, right when I get over, all of a sudden just boom, man, I got bashed by this cow. Flipped over the fence, broke my sight, 
And then I'm like, and I hit my head, and I, I, I kind of got myself together a little bit. And I'm like, man, what the heck was that? I'm like, are you? And so I grab my bag and I have my bow, and I'm like, still can't believe that that actually happened. And then I start walking back on the on the neighbor's property because I was not going back in where that evil cow was. And then like I turn my headlamp on, finally. And I take like 10 steps, and then like I kind of get startled by something, and I get hissed at by a possum. I'm like, man, what is going on? So, it, and then I get a little bit further, and they're like, the, the, the neighbor is a sheep farmer. And I was like, I kind of walk into my head, got my head down, and I find myself right in the midst of a flock of sheep. They're everywhere, like, rah, rah, rah. and I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. So, I don't, I, I told myself, I'm like, man, surely the Lord's going to provide an opportunity to like tie that to some sort of sermon, you know? I'm not tying this to a sermon. I'm really just telling you that was a bizarre story. But I guess if there is a lesson here, like, you know, turn your light on when you're walking through a cow pasture at night so you don't get mauled by 1,200 pounds of Angus. So I hope that is a word of the, from the Lord for someone out there today. No. Um. But uh, seriously, we are going to be uh, this morning in Hebrews. So those of you that have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to uh, Hebrews 10. Um, the teaching primarily is going to be in verses 19 through 25. But I, I thought uh, I do. I want to go ahead and read uh, starting in verse 11. So um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 25. Uh, and the New King James says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Thank you, Lord. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Verse 19 Therefore, brethren, having the boldness to enter the holiest place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the gathering or the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching." And what's exciting is um, I, I wish I could I wish I had time to preach all through the book of Hebrews. It is a fascinating 
book of the Bible, presumably written by Paul, but for the sake of today, we will say the author of Hebrews is giving uh, essentially a history lesson to the Hebrews, to the Jews of the day, the first century, uh, is giving them a history lesson on the Old Testament. All throughout the book of Hebrews, you see how the author is explaining to them um, that Jesus, the Messiah that they have been looking for, has come. Um, and, it, and it is Jesus. And he's using the Old Testament. There's many, many, I mean, dozens, if not hundreds of Old Testament references in the New Testament book of Hebrews um, explaining that, that Jesus Christ, was, a lot of people say that the, the New Testament, you may have heard this, the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. Uh, I'm sorry, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, right? And so it, the author of Hebrews is basically um, sharing uh, through this letter that Jesus Christ is indeed the Messiah of Israel. Not only is he the Messiah of Israel, but he is the Savior of the world, of which we all, everyone in this room, Gentiles, praise the Lord, are grafted into the family of God by faith. And so... I love that song uh, that, that Brent and the worship team uh, was singing, which I'm so thankful for them, by the way. Um, but the reckless love of God, like there's no mountain you won't climb up. There's no wall you won't kick down. There's no, and that's it's so true and so applicable. Um, you know, when we think about um, the, the extremes that God has gone to to redeem us of our, of our sin, right? I mean, he's... <laughs> Like you, many of you, if not all of you, know the history uh, of the gospel and, and how Jesus came to save us. But I mean, if you just think about it, like let it soak in. I mean, um, you know, the, the being born of a virgin, like that in, a, that in and of itself is not only miraculous, but it's insane. Like why? It's, 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 it's hard for a three-dimensional person to think about like God in all of his infinite um, capacity, right? So we think about Jesus <clears throat> all the way back to the day of creation, right? Like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit existed prior to them the, before God spoke the world into existence, right? And so Jesus has always existed, but he does not always existed in the form of a man. Like he was not always a guy, a person, a man, like Jesus, the son of God, was infinite in every way, like far beyond my comprehension, seated like at the throne of God, like in, in all of his purest, formest, most glorious, Shekinah, holy glory was Jesus from the beginning, right? Before the world was even formed. And the fact that God the Father saw it necessary uh, to send his son in, all, in full glory, like complete, perfect, and holy God, into the womb, the bloody womb of a female, to be born, like that is extreme. I mean, that is extreme. There's no other way to put it. It's bizarre. Um, and uh, apart from the Holy Spirit confirming our faith in Jesus Christ, it's weird, and it seems a little bit crazy. Um, and so I think what the author of Hebrews and, and all throughout Scripture is saying is like, 
you know, and I was just using um, the, the virgin birth as one example, right? I mean, you talk, you think about the cross, think about the resurrection, think about, um, you know, Jesus' life in Nazareth as, as a young boy and as an early teen, he said the drunkards were making songs about him, right? They would make fun of him, and then they tried to throw him off the cliffs, man. They wanted him out. I mean, he, you know, he became uh, the, 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 the God, the perfect God of the universe, became not only a man born in a womb, but he was raised, he lived a life of, of um, in, um, what am I trying, uh, illegitimacy, right? Like he grew up in this culture where people believed that Jesus was illegitimate. And Mary and Joseph both endured incredible persecution because of that. But Jesus himself did his too. And there's a, my, a friend, good friend of mine always says that, that, that Jesus became, Ill, he lived an illegitimate lifestyle in the view of others that we might be, become legitimate sons of God, children of God. And so that's a powerful statement that God would live his life in the form of a man through Jesus Christ and... <laughs> Would, would live his life as like illegitimate, you know? I didn't live my life that way. Like no one was ever accusing me of being an illegitimate child. Like I mean, I was a little bit of a heathen, but no one ever said I was illegitimate, right? It was claimed that Jesus was, was born out of adultery. He was born, you know, he was, he was um, mocked and ridiculed and for that. And so anyways, <clears throat> the, the, what I'm teeing up here is that because of just the extreme, I mean, I could preach for days about the extreme, the extremes that God has gone to to redeem us and to be able to call us children and to, to bring us into the family of God, the shedding of the innocent blood um, for our souls. And so um, what we find here, I was a little um, surprised, I guess, to find that there's, I found three kind of simple instructions that, that I believed were tucked into uh, verses 19 through 25. I noticed that the author says, let us, three times. He says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So this is kind of the first instruction um, that the Lord gives us through the word uh, after, you know, basically the first 10 chapters leading up to this point are this explanation or this building up of the fact that, um, you know, <clears throat> in, like in verse 19 even, it says, therefore, brethren, having the boldness to enter the holiest place by the blood of Jesus, like, he said, anytime, you Bible scholars out there, anytime you see therefore in the scriptures, see what it's there for. Like, it's there for a reason. And so when it says therefore, that's kind of the breaking point between, hey, I'm building this up this idea that Jesus is not only everything that the Old Testament prophesied that he was going to be, um, but that this whole story of salvation and how God gave himself through his son Jesus into the form of a man to die on a cross, to resurrect on the third day, to come out of the grave, uh, and to send the, the, the Holy Spirit to fill physically and dwell the life of a believer, um, you know, th that is extreme. And it, it is the most, um, you know, it's the tallest mountain you could climb. It's the biggest wall that you could break down. It's even more than we can imagine um, what God had to go through um, to save us, to the point where something that always hits home for me and softens my heart, you know, is the fact that 
to this, this idea that from the beginning, right, like we talked about a second ago, that the Trinity existed, has always has existed, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But for a moment in time, like Jimmy preached about last weekend, right, that for a moment in time, the God the Father had to turn his eye. He had to look away from the Son. And when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, he prayed, right, to the Father. He said, Lord, is there any way that you could pass this cup from me? And he's praying so hard that he's sweating blood. Not because he necessarily didn't want to go to the cross. I believe wholeheartedly that his fears were that he would be separated from the Father for the first time ever. He's going to be separated from the Father. Like a perfect triune God, there's separation. And that was for you and I. Like the Father turned his back on, a, on the Son who bore our sin, you know, so that we might be saved. Um, it's amazing. And so I feel like in verse 19, when he says, therefore, brethren, having the boldness to enter the holiest place by the blood of Jesus, you know, last, uh, last week or two, uh, well, last several weeks, Jimmy has preached on uh, this love life series, right? Now how to love life. And part of loving life is that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, um, and, and the author of Hebrews is speaking to the Jews who practiced the Levitical law, right? They practiced this ritual, ceremonial requirements of the justification of sin, the, the, the sacrificing of heifers, bulls, calves, etc. Once a year, every year, they had to bring their sacrifice to the temple, right? And you had the, the, the tribe of Levi, right? They were the priests, and they, were admini- they, would, they would receive the offering, they would administer the offering, they would you know, put it, place it on the, 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 the brazen altar, you know, they, would, they would flame it up, and then it would go into the, um, the, the pool of, of, of water, uh, and then they would go into the temple, and you had the menorah and the table of showbread, and I won't go into any the extreme details of, the, of temple ordinances, but it was a very uh, intense ritualistic requirements of God in order for the, the, the sins of the Jewish people to be forgiven, Year after year after year after year after year, they had to do this. And so there's an explanation here that that is no more. Like, Jesus Christ was the sacrifice once and for all, forever, for all of mankind. For those who accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and his blood as payment for their sin, there's no requirement for the Levitical laws. There's no requirement for the Old Testament um, requirements of the Lord. That is of the Old Covenant, The new covenant is the blood of Jesus Christ is covering our sin. And so, um, uh, but having this this boldness, right, in verse 19, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest place by the blood of Jesus. Before Jesus and the resurrection, we've never had this boldness. We didn't have it. Like the people, the Jews, they they couldn't even enter the holiest place in the temple. It was a place where only the priests could go. And on once a year on the Jewish holiday, Yom Kippur, once a year the Jewish, the high priest, uh, he would go in with a little bowl of blood from, the, from the, the lamb that had been sacrificed for the people. And they would tie a rope around his leg and he would get down and he would crawl into the, the underneath the veil. He would crawl under the veil with his eyes closed and he would go like, the, I picture him lifting up the curtain and he would crawl under, and he would take the blood, and he would go like this, and he would sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant. 
where the Spirit of God dwelt. And that was required. That is how the, 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 the innocent shedding of blood covered the sin of the people. And so when Jesus died, the veil was torn, right? Not only was the veil torn, his body was torn, and the blood was spilled out. And immediately the separation from man and God for those who are in Christ is no more. And like Jimmy has hammered that home, and I'm so thankful for that in the last several weeks, is like, man, what's different about the New Testament, what's different about the church age, what's different about Gentiles is the fact that we have the right to become children of God because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Like you look at a guy like Paul, it blew his mind. Like Paul was a trained Pharisee. He was a Jew. He was a expert in the Levitical laws and the ways of the temple and the Old Testament and the first five books of Moses. Like Paul was an expert at this. Paul was a man who had not been filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And when the Lord encountered him in the road to Damascus, and, you, and, and many of you know the story of how Paul came to know the Lord, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, man, he couldn't believe it. He's like, there's power in me. Like, I was the most trained scribe, Pharisee, uh, historical Jew that, that ever lived. I mean, he was highly regarded as one of the smartest men scripturally in the Old Testament to ever live. But it was all for nothing. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. And the same is true today. Like, you know, uh, something I want you guys to consider that this first instruction, right, that, that God gives us in, this, in the book of Hebrews in verse 22, uh, after he builds up this story of how extreme God has gone, what extremes he's gone through to save us, he gives us these instructions. And how do we respond to that? Like, it's, it's hard to respond to the Lord when we realize humbly all that he's done for us. But we don't just like realize all that he's done for us humbly and then we just like kind of sit and do nothing for the rest of our life and we just wait to go to heaven. Like that's not the life of the Christian. And, then, and thankfully, like that's boring, right? Thank God for what he's done for me. Uh, and I'm not short selling that by any stretch, but like while I'm still here, I'm still breathing. He's got air in my lungs and he's got blood in my heart and it's pumping. Um, still have a tongue to talk. Like, I wanna know that I'm being used of the Lord, right? And so he gives us these three instructions. First one, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And I think, you know, there's some questions to be asked here. Like, one is, like, do you have full assurance of faith? You know, I think that's a fair question to ask. Like, um, I, I probably couldn't be any more sure of my salvation than I am in this moment right now. Um, and that's not by anything that I've done. It's just submitting to the Lord, laying down my life and letting the, the bloodshed of Jesus Christ cover my sins and letting the Holy Spirit do what God promised he would do. He would come in and dwell me and he, I would become a new creation and that I would live an abundant life, a life more abundant because of the Spirit in me. And so um, I, would, I would ask you, you in the crowd, how sure of your salvation are you? That's a fair question to ask. It's something I want you to consider in this moment and as you leave here. Uh, the second thing is, for those of us who do believe, um, are we drawing near to God? He says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So if you have full assurance of faith, are you drawing near to the Lord? And admit, man, I've had so many seasons of my spiritual life where I can look back and I can see moments where I was on fire for the Lord, man, and I was drawing near 
and I could be in the crowd and I'd say, yes, Jay, I'm drawing near, you know? And I've had other moments where I'm like, I'm like, dude, I am not drawing near, man. I'm just dry. Um, and that's okay. We do go through seasons. Like, they, we're, we're of the flesh. Uh, as long as we're on, this, on planet Earth, we are going to struggle with the weakness of our flesh. But the strength of our God is greater. And so, um, just uh, in this, on this idea of drawing near, I think the Lord's really talking about abide time. Jimmy's talked a lot about abide time over the last several weeks. And, and I, I've kind of recently found a new rhythm. Um, you know, since we've been in Kansas City, like, you know, I mean, I get in the word each day. Um, I'd be a hypocrite to say that I'm in it like every day, right? Since we moved to Kansas City, it's not like I have been abiding in the Lord, sitting with him every day. I wish that was true, uh, but it's not. Um, that's okay. The Lord's not like cracking me with a whip or anything. But I, I, can, I can encourage you in knowing that the Lord... Um, has, has blessed me as I've prayed through, God, what does my abide time with you look like? As you instruct me here, after the extremes that you went through to save me, what can I do in order to know and be assured of my faith and know that I'm being used of you and, and blessed by you? I, he's, you know, he calls me to sit with the Lord. And so I pray about my abide time. And the Lord has blessed that. Kind of found me a little park over here east of town. My wife and I live down in Stillwell. We've got me a little park over there where I just go in the mornings and I make me a little cup of coffee in the Keurig, you know, before and put it in my little Yeti mug and I drive a couple miles down the road. And man, I sit there sometimes with the windows down, depending on how cold it is. And I just sit with the Lord. Sometimes I'll play a, a song, you know, a worship song just to kind of get me in the, in the spirit of, of sitting with the Lord. But man, I, God speaks to me in those moments where I'm just sitting with the Lord I'm reading the word devotionally, asking, Lord, what do you have to do with Shay today? Like, this guy doesn't have a clue what he's doing in life apart from you, Lord. And so show me. And I'm seeking and trusting fully in the inspiration of the word of God that you're going to tell me exactly what it is that you desire for me to do today. And so encourage you in your abide time with the Lord. The second thing he says is verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Uh, for he who promised is faithful. And this is a confession, right? Like the Lord is encouraging us, instructing us to confess our faith. I think the most important confession, excuse me, the most important confession you can make is the moment in which you become a follower of Christ, where you confess that you believe that Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ was poured on the cross of Calvary for your sin. Like that is the first and most important confession that you can make. And I pray that if there's one in the crowd today that has not made that confession, that has not come to know Christ as personal Savior, that, that, would, that today would be your spiritual birthday. Um, but for the believer uh, who has had that moment in their life, who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, I think it's healthy, and, 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 and the author is encouraging us, the Lord is encouraging us um, to hold fast the confession of our hope and without wavering. Like, we, we should consistently be sharing with people what the Lord is doing in our life. It's very, very important for us to, um, to keep running the race, as Paul would call it, right? For us to not get tired and grow weary, we share with other people both 
what the, 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 the praises, like the things that God is doing in our life, we share that with other people. It lifts our faith and it lifts their faith. Um, there's accountability in it. Um, there's, there's, there's a number of, of reasons why God instructs us to both confess our faith, tell our story, share our testimony, but also just be keenly aware to what the Lord is doing in our lives and we can share with other people to both encourage them and ourselves and it kind of spurs the, the prayer train as well too as I'm sharing what the Lord's doing in my life. Man, other people are picking up on that and I believe that God is yielding them to pray for me and then that's just how the Lord moves. The Holy Spirit, um, the work of the Lord will, will move about the people of God. Uh, and so... Um, uh, a few questions would be, have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is your Savior? I think that would be something every person in this room needs to evaluate. Um, I think the, another question I wanted to ask, you know, when's the last time you shared your testimony, or do you have a testimony? And I think knowing your testimony is very, very important, um, incredibly important. In fact, that's probably the strongest tool that we have for the Lord. The Lord has given us a story to share, and so... Uh, and if you don't know your testimony, that's okay. Like, I would, I would love to sit with you and just say, hey, tell me about your life. Tell me about the time when you have accepted Jesus Christ and tell me what he's done since then. Let you start to put the pieces together. Like, that's your testimony. It doesn't have to be like, oh, man, I was like a rock star slung out on drugs and, you know, and then I had this moment where, like, the Shekinah glory showed up in my Motel 6 and I accepted, you know, like, that would be awesome. Like, don't get me wrong, man. Like, I have not seen the Shekinah glory. I assure you of that. Um, but, um, you know, if it is that, that's great. But it doesn't have to be, right? Like, it can be, you know, I think one of the attacks of the enemy is the enemy wants you to feel like your story's not important. Uh, he will do that. He's done that in my life, and I promise you, he's attacked you at some point in your life with your story. So your testimony is important. I want you to, to take that away today. Number three, the third thing is, and this is incredibly important, and this is meaningful for us as a church body as we kind of move forward in all the things that the Lord has planned for us. In verse 24 and 25, chapter 10 in Hebrews, he says, let us consider, this is number three, third instruction, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the gathering of yourselves, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Man, how awesome is it that we know the day is approaching? I can tell you that for sure. Those of us who are in Christ, we cannot wait for the Lord to return in all of his glory, and we get to be a part of that, and, and my oh my, am I excited for um, the, the things of the end time, the, the great and awesome day of the Lord to come. Um, we, we, we look forward to that when we celebrate that. Um, and so he says here, I mean, this was 2,000 years ago, this was written, right? And he says, even more so as you see the day approaching, when he tells us to do these things, consider one another. Like, what does that mean to consider one another, you know? Um, and, that's, and he says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves. Like, don't abandon the church. Don't abandon your community, your spiritual community. Don't abandon your, your D group. Or uh, the things that the Lord is doing in your life are going to be under attack from the enemy. Like, if you have something in your life that's not being attacked to some degree, 
it may not be of the Lord, right? Because it's like not any sort of threat to Satan's plan, right? And so um, this isn't a message about how you should come to church on it every Sunday. I can, I can tell you that. But when he says, uh, consider one another, it's like, I'm, 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 I believe the Lord wants me to encourage you guys around this spirit of community and connection. Like, yes, church is a highly important part of how we connect in the body of Christ, um, but it doesn't have to be just church, right? This is not a, just a Sunday morning church. Um, we are the body of Christ. And so um, considering one another uh, in order to stir up love in good works, I told Jimmy I wanted to title this series, for Stirring Up Love. You know, it's like maybe just stirring it up in the lobby, man. I see Bob and I see Tannis, see Christina and Jeff, man. We're just stirring it up, man. I got love for these people here. And the Lord does too, you know? And uh, when I'm here, I'm encouraged. When I'm at D Group, I'm encouraged. You know, when uh, some guys, me and Preston and I go fishing, man, I'm encouraged. Like, I'm in the family of God. I'm interacting with the Lord's people, and I'm doing, um, I'm doing what I believe to be the will of God, which is to, to connect intentionally with people. Um, and so um, don't abandon uh, the gathering of yourselves, man. The, the enemy wants us to be in isolation, right? Like he wants us to, um, he wants us to get separated, uh, separated from people, separated from from fellowship, because that's like a sheep, right? Like that's the when the Lord leaves the ninety nine to go get the one. What happened to the one? It's like from a humanity perspective, the enemy kind of pushed him out a little bit, got him away from the flock. So don't leave the flock whatever that looks like for you today. Um, I don't say that through the lens of OPCC. I, I, I say that through the lens of, like, out of the heart of the Lord, man. Just don't, don't abandon the people that he's put in your life. and Don't abandon um, the organization that he's put in your life spiritually for fellowship and connection. Um, it really leads me to my, my, my big idea is that healthy connection and established rhythms of fellowship within the body of Christ are essential to fulfilling the commission and the commandments of God. God commands us to love God, right? This is the great commission, right? To love God, love others, and to make disciples. And to do that, you must be in community. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.